Welcome to Civics and Coffee. My name is Alicia, and I am a self-professed history nerd. Each week, I'm going to chat about a topic on U.S. history and give you both the highlights and occasionally break down some of the complexities in history and share stories you may not remember learning in high school, all in the time it takes to enjoy a cup of coffee. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. A few weeks ago, I welcomed Donna Rubin to the show to discuss her new book, Speaking While Female. Donna is a consultant, speechwriter, and speaker who's on a mission to encourage more women to put their views in the public square. She created the Speaking While Female Speech Bank, which is the largest online archive of women's speeches. Our conversation focuses on her book and what we can learn from the voices of the women from our past. We conducted our interview over Zoom, so I am inserting my standard audio quality warning here. I hope you all enjoy the conversation. Hey everyone, with me today is Donna Rubin. She is a consultant, speechwriter, and author of a new anthology dedicated to women's voices throughout history, Speaking While Female which will be the focus of our chat today. Welcome, Donna. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you. And so before we get into the book, can you share a little bit about yourself and your background? Yes, I was a journalist for a long time, which I think is important to point out because I'm really wedded to evidence-based argument, fact, research, and explanation, like public explanation. Explanatory journalism is the kind of journalism that I that I did. Then I became a speech writer and a speech coach and very involved in the world of public speaking. I, I judge con- a contest for speech writing for speeches, and I even judge uh, high school forensic debate in my area. So I'm all about the world of speech, and that's what led me to my current project. Awesome. And so this project is an anthology of speeches. So what prompted you to seek these voices out specifically? Well, it was when I was heavily involved in the world of speech writing and particularly um, judging this speech writing contest that I started to get really annoyed when I would see a quote by Winston Churchill. Constantly, people love to quote Winston Churchill. And by the way, half the time they quote him wrong. <laughs> but I, I am a fan of Winston Churchill's rhetoric. A few years ago, there was an exhibit at the Morgan Library in New York all about Winston Churchill's rhetoric, wartime rhetoric during World War II. He was a phenomenal orator, but he wasn't the only one who deserves our respect. So it was around that time that I started thinking about the role of men and women in oratory. And I started noticing that how we think about great speaking in history is always in terms of the men. It's, you know, it's either Patrick Henry or Winston Churchill or Abe Lincoln or Frederick Douglass or John F. Kennedy or his brother RFK or Martin Luther King or Mahatma Gandhi, or I mean, I could go Ronald Reagan on and on, always men as great speakers in history. And that started to really bug me. You know, they say anger is a great catalyst. (laughs) (laughs) I got angry when I thought about the fact that nobody was paying attention to women speakers in history. Yeah. 
And in your introduction, you specify that this was a collection of speeches by American women. And is there a specific reason why you decided to focus on the United States? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first project I started was an online speech bank with speeches by women from all over the world. So there are speeches by women from every continent, from Africa and Asia and from Latin America, South America. And um, it became clear to me that this was a universal phenomenon and universal oversight. In fact, since ancient times, since ancient Greece and Rome, we have examples of women speaking. But when it came to publishing a book, I decided that I had to draw the boundaries somewhere. Mm -hmm. I am an English speaker, and I do know American history better than the history of other countries. So I decided to publish the book with a focus on American voices, American women's voices. Yeah. And in your opening pages, you also mention and argue that there is a cost of ignoring women's voices and that that cost has been very high. So what, in your opinion, are some of the things lost to us by not knowing more about these women and what they said? Oh, my gosh, the cost is enormous. I could talk all day about this. For one thing, it's a wrong perception of history if we think that only men's voices are the ones that contributed to making the nation that we have and also the world that we know. If we only include men's voices as the agency, as the active ones, the ones who instigated, the ones who contributed to our ideals, our values, our sense of national consciousness, then we're missing out on half the voices and we're missing out on women's perspective, women's lived experience, women's worldview, women's contributions, women's professions, women's areas of life. We're just missing so much of history. But there's a whole nother dimension to it as well. When we uh, exclude women's voices from our historical understanding of how things happened in the past, we also miss out on a wonderful opportunity to inspire all of us today, women of every age, and especially young women, to give them an accessible way to understand their past so that they will have the motivation and inspiration they need and the role models they need to use their voices today. Uh, a common theme that I always like to pull onto this podcast is to have representation, you know, for women, for minorities, for marginalized groups. And so I think this is a, a great project to kind of support that effort and, and to really remind us all that, you know, there are, have been various actors in history, right? Yes. And I really tried hard to make my book reflective of the true diversity of voices mm -hmm. that contributed to the American story. So I have speeches in this book by, I think I have five speeches by indigenous women, Native American women. I have 18 speeches by black women. I have speeches by Asian American women. I have speeches by Hispanic or Latina women. And I have a speech by a woman who spoke out for lesbian rights. That's what they called it in 1972. They didn't say gay rights. They said lesb lesbian rights. I have Judy Human speaking out for disability rights, Temple Grandin speaking out for neurodiversity. So it truly is the most diverse collection and representation of the true, I'd say, cacophony or clash of ideas, different ideas from different ide ideological points of view that really reflect 
the kinds of debates and arguments that contributed to the public square. Yeah. And aside from this idea of diversity and inclusion of other voices and and the participation of other individuals from history, what can these speeches teach us about our own history? Well, they teach us that, for one thing, the most profound lesson, I believe, is that things are constantly changing. You know, I used to study Buddhism, and I incorporated a lot of the thinking of Buddhism into my own philosophy. I don't call myself a Buddhist, but I think a lot of the thinking really sank in for me. And this constant, this concept of change, the world is constantly changing. And I think when we look past and we understand how different things were in the past, but the changes, the reforms, sometimes things are for the worse too, obviously, but those are a result of human agency human beings made those changes. And when we realize that, when we take that on board, we realize we can change things for the better too. We can make a change too. If we step up and we take action, the world doesn't have to be the way it is right now. And you've touched on this a little bit, but this book goes hand in hand with a website repository of all sorts of speeches filled with women from across the world. And so how did you decide which speeches should go into your book and which maybe should be saved for future work efforts? Well, in terms of the online speech bank, I just put up everything I can within reason. I put in most every speech I can find from before 1920. And by the way, I put in a lot of speeches whose um, ideas I certainly don't agree with. There are women whose points of views in there that I vehemently disagree with, but I'm trying to make a larger point, which is that women were speaking. Women have been speaking. So I have thousands of speeches on that site and I keep adding more all the time. In fact, I added one last night. So that's that site is constantly getting larger and constantly changing. And I'm looking to the public for help in finding more speeches, especially speeches that are not in the English language. I try to have them all in English because that's my language and there's more English speaking people in my world, and I want to access it. But I have speeches in French, I have speeches in German, I have speeches in other languages that I, Danish, that I haven't been able, Norwegian, I haven't been able to translate them. So I would also love to find translators who can translate them into English and make them more accessible. But in general, I want that site to have all the speeches that I can find that are in the public domain. And sometimes I even include links to YouTube, to YouTube links or other external links, because if I can't, they're not in the public domain or I don't have permission to publish them, I just put them, I link them to third parties, but that's not ideal because third party links get broken over the time, over time. But you asked about the book in the book. I was limited by the, by physicality. I couldn't have a book that was endlessly large. So I limited it to 75 but originally, when we first started talking about the book, we were going to have 35 speeches. <laughs> and right away, we decided, oh, no, that's not enough. We have to go to 50. And last year, when I did my Kickstarter, I had 50. I announced the Kickstarter and conducted the Kickstarter with 50 speeches. But then when I sat down to actually write the book, I realized you can't tell the story of America with these <laughs> speeches. So it expanded. Awesome. And the book it follows a chronological format. And the speech is leveraged to open and close the book 
are powerful and and yet perhaps a little unexpected. So was there something specific in the ones that you chose that garnered their respective places in the book? Yes. Well, I wanted to start at the beginning. And the earliest written speech or public words we have by women uh, women in America are by Anne Hutchinson. If I could have found an earlier one, I would have put it in. But Anne Hutchinson is widely regarded by scholars as the first instance of America of an American woman speaking. I'll tell you just a little bit about her. She was living in what's now Boston on the Shawmut Peninsula. She was part of a Puritan colony. She came over from England. This was before the United States was the United States, obviously. And it was a religious theocracy. And she was a devout woman. And she would come home from the Sunday prayer. And during the week, she would preach about the prayer or give commentary about the prayer in her own home. She was such a charismatic and dynamic speaker that her audience grew in her own home. Men would come, women would come, and that was a threat to the leaders of the community. They put her on trial for heresy, and then they kicked her out. They banished her and her family. But what we have is the transcript of that trial, which has come down through us, and the excerpt that I included is a transcript from that trial. And what she says that got her into so much trouble was, I was called by God. God is the one who called on me to speak and use my voice, and that got her kicked out. So that was an obvious example of a woman having the temerity to challenge the male authorities and use her voice. Mm-hmm. And you asked about the last speech. Yes. The last speech, I wanted to find a more or less contemporary speech, and it's by Bina Venkataraman, and she's a journalist. Now she's just recently joined the um, the uh, editorial board of the Washington Post. But she gives a very powerful commencement speech at UCSC. And one thing I love about her, I love the speech, but I also love that she's an Indian-American woman. She Her parents came from India, the subcontinent of India, in the 1960s. And I feel that her voice is representative of America today because we are strengthened and our public voices are buoyed and made more dynamic and more engaging and vital by uh, contributions from so many immigrant communities and points of view from that are inspired by the immigrant experience. So I really like that she's an Indian American. And what were some of the challenges of putting this book together? Well, first of all, it was hard to choose the speeches. (laughs) In the early days, like the first couple centuries, it wasn't as hard because there weren't as many examples. But when we got into the, let's say, the 1830s, 40s, 50s, and then, of course, 1870s, 80s, 90s, and then into the 20th century, there there were so many American women speakers. How do you choose? Mm-hmm. I had at one point, I had three anti-McCarthy speeches that all deserve to be in the collection. Or when you think about a, something like temperance, temperance, which was the movement that drew so many women into public speaking. And then of course, the suffrage, the campaign for suffrage, there were literally thousands. I mean, thousands of women who spoke out for the woman's vote. So how do you choose? How do you choose? I just made an Excel spreadsheet. I put them all in there. I crossed one out, I added them back. I debated. I asked my friends. I mean, it was real. It was an editorial process. It was a curatorial process. 
And really, when you think about it, it's not different from the process that takes place every time you walk into a museum and you see an exhibit. The curator has made certain choices for certain reasons. The curator wants to tell a story. And the story I wanted to tell was about the diversity of voices on all different subjects. So that's what was my guiding principle. And any other challenges in terms of this is a self-published book and you had to go through a Kickstarter campaign. So I, I was curious how, what challenges or what obstacles did you have to overcome from that angle? Well, a, a lot. And every single aspect, it was harder because I had to do so much of the work myself. But I will say that I have a tremendous sense of pride of ownership and pride of process. The, the book is really an expression of my thinking, my views, my ideas. I have co- I have colleagues that I turn to for advice and I relied on them very heavily, but it's ultimately an expression of my thinking. And there's something profoundly um, affirmative about that. I really feel a profound sense of pride in it and also the mis- embarrassment, the mistakes. Are mine. <laughs> I found a few little typos and stuff like that, and they are my mistakes. But one of the things that people often don't think about is getting permission to public spe- publish speeches for, I think, something like 25 speeches in the collection. I can't remember the exact number. I had to go seek out um, copyright. Per- uh, there were copyright protected, and so I had to seek out the owner. You have to figure out who owns the copyright to the speech, ask for permission. In some cases, they ask for a lot of money. Some cases I had to pay a lot of money for permission, even just to pay one speech at one point for one speech, I had to pay $750 just to publish that speech. But I really wanted it in the book. That was by the way, the speech by Josephine Baker. Mm. Um, But other, other, other um, copyright owners, they wanted money and sometimes I could negotiate, but I'd never done anything like that before. Of course I had to attribute them all in the book and make sure that every T was crossed and every I dotted because they insist that you put all the correct language in the book. And that was new to me. Had I done it, had I gone through the process with the mainstream publisher, they would have handled that for me. And is there anything we haven't covered that you would like future readers to know? Yes, I believe that this book, I truly deeply believe that this book should be in the hands of young women across the country, all women and men, it's for everybody. But especially, I want women and girls to know that they have a past that they can look to for inspiration, and that they too should be putting their voices into our civic square, into the public square, to make the world better. And in fact, I want to make a statement that shows how strongly I believe this. If you only have this book on your shelf, and a young girl it's in your house and a girl in your household or young woman walks by it and never even pulls it off the shelf and never even cracks the spine (laughs) even just sees the word speaking well, female. I think that sends a message. I think sends a profound message that her voice is valued. And if you don't mind, I'd like to take just a moment to read to you these three lines of my dedication. Please do (laughs) for women speakers everywhere. If you speak in public, this book is for you. And if you don't yet speak in public, this book is especially for you. I got the chills. (laughs) 
it was a, a wonderful book. And even just the opening pages, I found myself getting a little uh, a little choked up because I am somebody who is interested in, in women's histories, especially. Uh, and uh, it's something I'm, I'm studying in my in my graduate program now. And so anytime I get an opportunity to speak with somebody or read something that has a, a focus on on the impacts and influence and legacies of women throughout our history. I'm always so excited. So, yeah. And I also want to point something else out to your listeners. I have two speeches in this collection that as far as I know, have never been published before Mm. ever. And I mean, in complete form. And I have one speech that hasn't been published in over a hundred years. So you will not find this collection anywhere else. And I'm very proud of that. And where can people go to learn more about you and the work that you do? Well, the best place to go is to the speech bank. It's called speakingwhilefemale.co. Not .com, .co. Speaking.wildfemale.co. And there you will find all the thousands of speeches that we talked about, but not all the speeches in this book, because I don't have the permission to put all those speeches in the speech bank. But if you go to speakingwhilefemale.co, you will see a pop-up box comes up right away with information on where to buy the book and where to find out more about it. And there's also a book tab. If you go to the book tab, it takes you to the same place. You'll see a link. You can buy the book, buy it for your friends, buy it for your library. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean it. Take the, buy the book, take it into your public library and tell them they have to have it for the girls in your community (laughs) and take it to your local bookshop and insist they buy it because I want us to all live in a world in which everybody's voice is valued in the public square. So I can't thank you enough for giving me this opportunity to spread the word. Of course, of course. It's been a wonderful conversation. And so to my listeners out there, be sure to pick yourself up a copy of Speaking While Female. Donna has put together an amazing collection and it is a wonderful addition to the field of women's history. Thank you, Donna. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks again to Donna for coming on and talking about Speaking While Female. Be sure to check out the show notes to learn how you can get a copy of the book and more information about Donna's online speech database. Thanks, peeps. I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Civics and Coffee. If you want to hear more small snippets from American history, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining me, and I look forward to our next cup of coffee together. Mm -hmm.